When Mark uh, describes the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, he presents him to us as a preacher. So in verse uh, 21, when Jesus enters Capernaum, what does he do? He goes into the uh, synagogue and teaches. And after Jesus heals Simon's mother-in-law, we read uh, verse uh, uh, 32. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who were ill and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Uh, when I was seven, I lived for a couple of years in Lagos, which then was the uh, capital of Nigeria. And one of my abiding me- memories was seeing in the markets large numbers of people with uh, kind of untreated medical conditions, uh, huge uh, goiters, uh, people with uh, withered legs dragging themselves around on blocks of wood, open weeping sores and such like. I can, I can visibly uh, remember it now. Where there is no accessible medical provision, disease and deformity are much more widespread and visible. Well, Jesus presented with a whole lot of acute and chronic conditions, su- successfully deals with many of them. And this seems to create a crisis for Jesus. So very early the next morning, he goes off to a lonely place where he has a special time of prayer with his heavenly father. The disciples come looking for him. Come on, Jesus, we need to get back to Capernaum. Everyone is looking for you. The surgery waiting room is full. You've got a long list to get through. And Jesus, having spent time praying, says... Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. That is why I've come. So Jesus has the power to heal, but now he leaves many who are still sick in Capernaum to continue his preaching, teaching ministry. That doesn't seem very compassionate, does it, to leave all those sick people? But in the first of the incidents we're looking at this evening, we see that in Jesus we indeed do have a compassionate Savior who reaches out. Verse 40. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And this leper is desperate. He comes to Jesus and he falls on his knees. But note what the leper does. He's not like so many skeptics today who doubt Jesus' power to do miracles. No, what he doubts is Jesus' willingness to make him clean. And it's hardly surprising that the leper doubts Jesus' willingness because he's just left a whole lot of sick people behind in Capernaum. It appears that Jesus is not willing to have his work and ministry dictated by others. He's not willing for the pressure from the world to set his agenda. And I wish actually that I and our churches actually were more like Jesus in this regard. It seems to me that our synods and our church councils are so often thinking and talking about things which the secular world is putting on our agenda. But Jesus is not like us. He will not allow the world 
to set his agenda. However great the need or the clamor of the world. No, Jesus' ministry is dictated by God and the mission that God has given him. So given what's just happened, we might expect Jesus to brush aside this leper. But there is another pressure that faces Jesus from which he cannot withstand. The pressure is not from without, but from within. Look at verse 41. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. This is the pressure that Jesus cannot withstand. The pressure that comes from his perfect heart and soul. It is this divine love that compels him to act. Jesus is not complacent when faced with the suffering of others. He is indignant. It offends him. And moved with compassion, Jesus reaches out towards this leper. And friends, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Lord Jesus, who's sitting as I speak, enthroned on the right-hand side of God Almighty, the Father, is the same and is still indignant at the evil of suffering and is full of compassion. So if you are in misery, as this man was, cry out in faith to Jesus, for he is not indifferent to your plight. And if you find yourself doubting whether Jesus cares for you, then consider again this passage. The evidence is here of Jesus' compassion. See, in approaching Jesus' way, that leper broke all the rules. Lepers weren't allowed any contact with normal society. And reaching out to touch this man, well, Jesus was breaking the religious rules. But Jesus wasn't breaking his own rules. He wasn't breaking the priorities which he had uh, set in verses 35 to 39 because Jesus here is not responding to somebody else's agenda. He hasn't been overcome by sort of emotional pressure. No, Jesus responds this way because he is holy. He is righteous. He is good. The heart of Jesus ached for this man and so the hand of Jesus reaches out to touch him. Jesus could have healed this man with a word, couldn't he? But he prefers to touch him. Why? Because I think that is just what a man who's had no human contact needed. Human touch. Friends, how do we react to the needs of others? I I found this actually a great personal challenge. I'm a pretty single-minded sort of chap. I have a job to do and I set myself to do it. And when someone or something crops up which diverts me from what I'm focused on, I get impatient. Well, Jesus also had clear priorities. His priority was to preach, but that priority did not make him clinical and detached from people. Instead, as we see here, he was compassionate 
and involved. So Jesus reaches out and touches this man, and an amazing miracle occurs, verse 42. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. Uh, The leper was unclean, and anyone who touched a leper under Jewish law became spiritually unclean themselves. But when Jesus touches the leper, instead of becoming unclean, he makes the leper clean, (laughs) healed. And that was unheard of. The old rabbis described the cleansing of a leper as equivalent to the raising of the dead, by which I take it to mean they thought it was impossible. But here, the creative power of God causes the impossible to happen. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Uh, We live in a society that uh, feeds on publicity and loves fame and fortune. People queue up to get themselves, don't they, on TV or want to become the next pop idol. And sadly, there are also the religious performers. Uh, The TV evangelists who love publicity and big crowds and seem to have an insatiable appetite for money. Well, here is a fame and fortune offered to Jesus on a plate, but he refuses them. Uh, Jesus wants the religious leaders in Jerusalem to know that God was at work in his ministry, but he doesn't want a repeat of his previous experience in Capernaum. And so Jesus gives this cured leper a very stern charge not to speak to anyone. Immediately, he sends him away. (laughs) Well, of course, the guy can't keep quiet. Can he he blame him? I mean, if I was in this position, I can't imagine that I wouldn't have done exactly the same. But look what damage this man's disobedience caused. In verse 38, we read, Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. That is why I've come. But now look at verse 45. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Instead of a powerful testimony being made to the religious leaders down in Jerusalem, the gospel, for the time being at any rate, is no longer able to be preached in Galilee. It's just a a little reminder, friends, when we disobey Jesus, either we or others suffer. When the Lord Jesus commands us to do something, it's not to do, or not to do something, it's always because he either wants to bless us or other people. And disobedience always causes harm. But as we begin chapter two, we find that Jesus is back in Capernaum and wonderfully, he is preaching. And so we come to this incident of Jesus' healing of a paralyzed man. And here we see that in Jesus we have a powerful king who addresses humanity's deepest need. Now, when I was at school, and it was kind of last lesson on a Friday afternoon, I'd lost the kind of plot, um, I would play a sort of imagination game. The imagination game would be this. What would I wish if I could have one wish? 
And the wish would always be that I could have as many wishes as I liked, and then I'd be away. I wish that I could be the most agile, most powerful, most skillful sportsman that's ever existed, and so on. You might think I was completely off my rocker by now, but just pretend for a moment that I'm not, and you have one wish. And it could be anything. What would it be? By the way, you can't have as many wishes as you want. Okay, Just the one wish. What would it be? You got it? Perhaps your wish is to be as rich as Bill Gates. Be nice, wouldn't it? You can have whatever you wanted. And yeah, like him, you could do a lot of good with it. We could certainly solve the, uh, the, what, the money we need the, for the, uh, is it 2024 appeal? That'd be good, wouldn't it? Have that sorted out. Perhaps your wish is to have the, perfect physique and the, the perfect partner to go with it but your wish maybe is not so trivial actually work is really miserable and you just wish you had a decent job a family member is critically ill and you wish they were better there is something you said or did which you deeply regret and you just wish you could put the clock back Or maybe your wish has a global dimension. You just wish the fighting in Ukraine would stop immediately. Your wish actually might be so personal and so painful, you've never expressed it to anyone. Well, if this paralyzed man had been given one wish, (laughs) I'm pretty certain I know what that wish would be, don't you? We don't know how long he'd been paralyzed, whether it was the result of some accident or whether he'd been born that way. But either way, his life was a wreck. There was no social services in those days. There were no disability payments. His only means of survival was to scrape together a living, I imagine by begging on the roadside or something. The future offered him nothing. He does have have some friends, and these friends are desperate to get this paralyzed man to Jesus before he moves on from their area. So when they hear he's back in Capernaum, there's no stopping them. They, they rush to their friend, they pick him up, and they carry him to where Jesus is. And when they get there, you know the story, what some of us do, every Tom, Dick, and Harry in the neighborhood has got there first. There's no way in, and so they climb onto the roof and start tearing it apart. Friends, just try and imagine the scene. Uh, there is Jesus. He, he is, he's teaching at last. And then suddenly there's a commotion and bits of straw and mud and uh, straw start falling down from the, the from the, r- the roof. I, I, he's a, Jesus is a preacher. I, I imagine that he starts off by trying to speak louder to get people's attention. Or, 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 but eventually he would have to stop, wouldn't he? I mean, when the when when there is a the roof being torn apart, as a preacher you cannot compete with that. You have not got people's attention at that point. They're all looking up there. And then this blanket appears and the, this uh, man is lured in front of Jesus. And Jesus says to him, get up and walk. No, he doesn't, does he? Have a, have a, have a look with me. Have a look at yourself. Verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. 
Now, it's clear as the nose on your face what this man's problem is. He can't walk. So what is Jesus doing? Is he playing some sort of sick joke on him? How do you reckon this man felt when Jesus said that? So here is Jesus who has the power to cure people just by speaking, and he doesn't say the words which will heal him. Friends, imagine that you and I have Jesus' power to heal just by touching. What what would we do? Wouldn't we go to the hospitals and heal all those who are dying of disease? Quite a few hospitals in London. We'd We'd be there, wouldn't we? Going around the wards. That's where I'd be. Here is Jesus who does have this power, and yet his priority is to preach. And when confronted with this paralyzed man, instead of curing him, he forgives his sin. Why does he do that? Well, clearly, Jesus thinks it is the forgiving of his sin which matters most. What do you think your greatest need is? Do you think it is your sin to be dealt with? What was the one wish you thought of? See, the interesting thing about this story is that we don't know what this man was like. We don't know whether he was basically good-natured or whether he was rather crabby. One thing we can be certain, if he was paralyzed, he wouldn't have been able to get up to those activities which people readily think as sinful. I can't imagine being a, a mugger or an accomplished thief or a calculating womanizer. Can you? Yet Jesus still considers that this man's greatest need is for him to have his sins forgiven. What do you think humanity's greatest need is? The climate crisis? Um, the, the, the war in Ukraine getting out of hand and escalating? Uh, North Korea or uh, Iran getting hold of nuclear weapons? From God's perspective, humanity's greatest need is his forgiveness. God created us as the pinnacle of his creation to know him and to enjoy him and to take care of this world, this planet. But we human beings have thrown that relationship in his face and of course devastation, war and injustice. And friends, unless our indifference, our rebellion against him can somehow be forgiven, we don't, we'll not face God's blessing. We will face the fearful, just judgment of God. If there is no forgiveness, there can be no heaven, only hell. What good is it for this man to walk but not have friendship with God? What good it would, would it do us if we could have all that we wish for, but then lose out on heaven? This man's biggest problem is not his paralysis, despite all the very real and dreadful knock-on effects. No, like every human being, his biggest problem is his sin. And Jesus, presented with his biggest problem, does something about it. He forgives him. Look, verse 5. 
When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now, what Jesus said to this paralyzed man caused quite a stir. No wonder these teachers of the law, the, the, uh, the vicars and theologians of Jesus' day, are absolutely right. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Sin is an affront against God. And so what right does any person have to forgive it? God is the one who's been offended, so only he can forgive sin. And Jesus, aware of what these people are thinking, turns to them and uh, says, why are you thinking these things? Don't you realize who I am? Then he asks them a question, verse 9. Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or say, get up, take your mat, and walk? Now, what do you think is the answer to that question? To say to, which is easier to say to a paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or get up, take your mat, and walk? I, I think you could actually make the case for either. But one thing, You can say, I can't tell just by looking at people which, for instance, looking around this room, which of us are in relationship with God and have had our sins forgiven and which haven't. (laughs) And, And so Jesus says, verse 10, But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he says to the uh, paralyzed uh, 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 man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we've never seen anything like this. And so to show that he has the authority to forgive this man's sin, Jesus does something that only God could do. He heals a man who hasn't been able to walk, whose legs would have been withered uh, and become like matchsticks. He heals him so this man can immediately stand up and walk normally. Imagine this man was uh, being interviewed uh, next door at the the BBC for a special feature on the 10 o'clock news. He'd be asked by the reporter, Tell us what happened that day. And he would say, well, it was a great day. I mean, there I was. I was paralyzed. paralyzed I was destitute. I had, I had no future, no hope. But then Jesus healed me. And my life took off. I was able to walk and run like everybody else. I was able to get, to, uh, get a job. I, I actually, I, I got married and I had a family and kids. But I've been in heaven now for 2,000 years. And I know it was the most important thing he said to me that day. It was not, get up, take your mat and walk. But son, your sins are forgiven. God is full of compassion. He cares about this world and everyone in it. He cares for you. And because he cares, Jesus entered our world to deal with our deepest need. Friends, that's what we've been celebrating over Easter. Jesus died and rose again so that not only this man, 
but so that every human being, whoever they are, whatever they have done, can come to Jesus and receive his forgiveness. If you are trusting Christ, your present circumstances might be dire. You might be in physical, relational, emotional turmoil. A good proportion of us will be. But rejoice in this. Rejoice that Christ has already dealt with your deepest need. That you are loved by God. That you're in right relationship with him. That you have a certain and secure future with him. Rejoice in Christ. And if you've not yet come to Christ and received him as your Lord, know that he loves you and that he's for you and that he wants to forgive you and to transform your life and meet your deepest need. We're going to be thinking a bit more about that next week. (laughs) So do uh, come back to hear more.